I'm Derek Moyer and welcome to our At The Cross Easter event. I'm going to start this recording off with prayer, asking God that it will encourage you and uplift and lighten your heart this Easter time. Father God, I pray bring light to each soul, bring hope, bring courage God, Easter joy, Easter peace, release in each heart and God a deeper closer revelation of who you are and what you do in our hearts if we'll just let you. I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. So to kick everything off tonight guys, we've got Lorraine Handling singing a couple of songs by Kim Walker-Smith and Elevation Worship. And guys, if you want to sing, you want to dance, you want to clap, just go ahead. Nobody's going to see you in your living room anyway. <laughs> Be blessed guys.
Basically, my wife was in a, uh, a choir, the Praise Gathering Choir up in Glasgow. So we went in 2017, would that have been 2016 actually? And while I was there, I think it was actually me and Eddie Marlin I was with, and uh, they introduced us to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, guy Ian Watson, uh, you know, really was a big fan of this choir for America. So when I left, I, you know, I worked in forestry and downloaded this album, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir Could Pray. And while I'm out planting trees, I'm doing hills all day, I need a lot of time in the middle of these forests with no phone signal. So 
you would download music onto your phone and just that entertaining yourself all day. And I heard this song called At The Cross. And the song was just like, I was like, that is amazing. The choir, the lead singer, you know, the inspirational uh, message in the song. So I heard that and I was I was sharing that with the guys I worked with and just thinking that was amazing and thinking we should do something, you know, with that song. And So that was maybe, you know, middle of the year. Came to Christmas time and I just had that inspiration. Do an Easter event called At The Cross around that song. And uh, so I, I I came to yourself with it, and I remembered your reaction. You know, <laughs> you know, you're so excited. You were you were like so supportive. That that was the kind of background of the the beginning point. Yeah. So you know, the one of the one of the things I remember speaking to you about at that time, Derek, was you know as part of this, we want to encourage other churches mm-hmm. to come together in, in the, as a as a testimony and as a witness. Yeah. To for Jesus at this particular time in Irwin in the area. Yeah. So I remember, I remember uh, personally, you know, contacting local pastors, ministers, and priests. Yeah. And uh, and we did, we did get some good support mm-hmm. at, at, at that early time. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, partnering with these different uh, local churches, and uh, you know, there was such a excitement about that that people were getting involved and. You know, it wasn't just we're not just sticking to our own wee groups, and so there was a lot of energy, a lot of uh, encouragement from that. Um, you know, but I think a wee bit I should share probably as well is how after that uh, inspiration, how the journey kind of went from there in regards to the focus of the event. Because um, that Christmas time, I had a dream, and in the dream. I saw people who were so paralysed, they looked so defeated, resigned to a place of uh, failure or, you know, stuck in life. And I heard in that dream the the word worthlessness. And then you and your friend Sandy Jimison invited me to Bulgaria uh, with Elia and uh, we went for that trip, a missionary trip out there, helping the different churches out there. And while we were there, you guys invited these worship leaders to this buffet, remember? And uh, we went yes. that night and we'd paid for their meal and they, they barely even ate half a plate of a starter. Now, to me, coming from Scotland, you know when you go for a buffet, you're, you're up there four or five times getting different plates of food. But they, were, they, weren't, even, they weren't even eating half a plate of a starter. And it really, I, I noticed that, I just thought, what is that all about, you know? And, and the, the discussion went that night, it was, they were ro- Romanian gypsies. And they had felt so, th- their identity was so um, defined by this, we're not, we're not uh, worthy, we're not equal, that they, it, it resulted in them not even wanting to eat what was already provided for them. And I, that, really, that really challenged me. And then the, the next thing that happened was I was on a, on a hill down in Bar Hill working in forestry and a friend of mine working with me for Kowinan and he shared, I'm just not being what I'm meant to be. The cry of his heart, just couldn't, couldn't believe it, it was just out of the blue and he just shared this with me and trusted this with me. And while he was talking, I had this wee thought inside, restoration to factory settings. I could have told you what I thought it meant, but, you know, when I've done a wee bit of research, you know, the definition is, it's in, a, in your computer or uh, laptop, you know, it's to restore the device to the manufacturer's original condition for it. Typically before all these viruses get in that have caused the long-term performance issues. And I was thinking, what, is that true? Is, that, is this God's promise for his people? That his idea is to restore people, to restore hearts that have felt so worthless, who have been formed and shaped into a, a, a condition that, that makes them just so uh, restricted and paralysed by these ideas about themselves. And really, the, the first year, we got this image. After all that happened, the, the dream, the Bulgarians, and then this boy, we had this image of this heart with this cross key in it and we really we really get the message unlocking the power to restore 
your heart at the cross. And that's yeah. what we've seen, Derek. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the at the cross events mm -hmm. have been really a demonstration of God at work mm -hmm. in people's lives. Yeah. And you know that 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 message of restoration yeah. of new life of mm -hmm. new beginnings that comes at Easter. Yeah. With the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Yeah. But at these events, and right from that first event, uh, we had people in stage that were testifying mm -hmm. to the fact that Jesus was, had changed their lives. Exactly, exactly. So, from that first event, we ended up in America a couple of months, three months later, uh, at a camp mm -hmm. for the heart, the Wild at Heart boot camp. And we, for me, it was just getting deeper into the, uh, the, the reality of this is what God promises, the restoration to factory settings. And uh, that year we, we come back, we done a men's camp, we started a men's group after it, great men we were connecting with. Um, and I remember that year, one of the guys that were with us gave me a film called The Railway Man. Now, I was going into Christmas, finishing my work in the forestry, and thinking I'm going to watch some inspirational movies, that you know, like the Shawshank Redemption, Braveheart, different movies like this, uh, Courageous, different things I was thinking would really encourage me over the Christmas. But I just, when I went to do it, I wasn't feeling like that was the right thing to do. And that year, as I say, I got that railway man, and then for my Christmas, I get two copies of the DVD of the Shack movie. And basically, I watched over the Christmas period these two films, this Railway Man and The Shack, and both of them were basically reflecting, portraying the healing of a heart that's that's been hurt deeply, that's been abused and traumatised deeply, that's had great frustrating failure, offence, you know, uh, disappointment in life. And it was, this was going further and deeper in this journey of, look, this this uh, this is part of the restoration. And, you know, and, and over the next months, as you know, you know, we we both were involved in that. We were both delving into the things and and the amazing uh, truths that came out of the movie The Shack. And I remember then that I watched the the special features in the in the DVD, and the author of the book was saying, look, this film is not about the religious God that I get brought up with, that I heard about when I grew up. This is about the real God who healed my heart as a man. And uh, so we were into year two called Waking the Dead. Uh, that, was the, that was the second year, um, you know, focus. And really we were asking the question, is this Easter message, is this the work of Christ is it just religious pie in the sky? Or has it the power within it to bring our hearts that have been dead in pain, dead in hurt, trauma, disappointment, dead in offence, you know, bitterness and resentment, even dead in the failures of our own past? Uh, is, has, the, has this work of Christ the, 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 you know, the good news of the Easter message, has it got this power to bring our hearts back to life? <laughs> now, we were asking a question we knew was true. We knew the answer to, didn't we? Because really, we over, that, over the months, personally speaking, I had experienced such a, a restoration. You know, the beginning journey, going deeper into these things getting my heart back for things that I, I was even aware of that were still influencing and shaping it and, and uh, you know, and defining it, defining how I viewed others, defining how I viewed God and how I related to God. Um, so that was that was a tremendous journey that, that second year. Well, I think, <clears throat> Derek, you'd agree that the trip uh, to the men's camp in Colorado was a pivotal moment mm -hmm. for both you and myself. Yeah. And uh, it kind of put us into overdrive, mm -hmm. I feel, when I think back in it now. Uh, because it was like new vision really uh, started to happen from there. Mm -hmm. New energy, new direction mm -hmm. to take us forward and to do more things. Yeah. And we, we actually were able to, uh, to witness the fact that there was 400 plus men yeah. in a situation like that that God was restoring. 
mightily. Their hearts were being healed. They were being made whole. And I spoke to many of those men uh, during that four days we were up in the Colorado and the, the mountains there. And all of them were seeing the same things and they were full of vision to take back mm. to their home communities. And that's exactly what we did. Exactly. Totally. And, you know, I think it's just a reflection there when you spoke that that was what happened to us. The, the story of the shack is how that the, the, the character Mac gets invited to spend a weekend with God in the shack. Now, the shack represented the place where his daughter gets killed, brutally, brutally murdered. It's the place of his greatest pain. But God was saying, I'm, in, I'm inviting you to inviting you to meet me there. You know, and that's what happened to us when we went to camp. In all my years in this journey, I had never experienced the uh, leaders who were actually creating the conditions for you to, to hear from God, for, for you to process your life asking questions, uh, you know, and, and asking God questions. You know, allowing the time and the space to say, what about this? What about this area in my, as a man, my identity, my hurts, my posing, my false self, you know, my yeah. uh, my, my, my sexual, my sexuality, my parenting, my vision. You know, the areas that are absolutely key, especially to a man, obviously the, the women can't ask different questions, but, you know, for us it was like, goodness me, they are the core issues of a man's life. And uh, it was like that journey of, uh, you know, us going through, uh, you know, that process ourselves led us then to offer that, that year uh, in 2018, that, you know, Waking the Dead, that was like, you know, we, we've been made alive. These dead places can be resurrected. These dead places can be made whole. They can be restored. They can be healed. Uh, so that was a tremendous journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Derek. And, you know, a sadness for me has been, you know, observing these things and coming across men, you know, and there's there's a reluctance, there's a hesitancy, there's a resistance mm -hmm. uh, to go in there and to allow themselves to go there with God. Mm -hmm. But one of my observations has been that the guys who fight the hardest are the ones that need it the most. Mm -hmm. And, you know... When they finally do allow God to go to those places and heal them in all those areas that you've described there, they come into a new energy, a new vitality in God, and suddenly they're full of new vision for their own lives, for their own families. Yeah. And that is a joy to watch happening. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll continue to uh, to look at as we get, as we went into year three. Yeah. Yeah. And so so year three, Vince, was Tommy Calderwood. 2018, he, he was the reward for us, the, you know, for, for all the effort, all the prayer, all the quiet time, all the working together with others. Tommy responded that night and he he brought new life to us because he was just, just you know, such a, 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 big, a big blank canvas of potential, you know, bringing all these issues in. And we were able to lead him into these things far quicker than we got them, <laughs> you know, and uh, so that year, I remember I took him to the, the Wild at Heart boot camp in Wales, and there was a lot of journey and a lot of uh, great stuff with that, and then, you know, we we had charitable status with the Freedom Fighters, we had funding immediately to run a project called Character Under Construction, and we were running three workshops a week uh, on these very subjects, the people within the group were responding so well, there was such a bond, there was the quiet time, people were hearing things about for themselves that were just, it, it, it was, it was honestly, it was the best for me, it was, I, I just thought, this can't get any better, it was so um, transformational. But then we came into the Christmas period and made some mistakes and shutting things down and, and uh, there was, things got in between every day and, and the group, disbanded in a sense and it was really painful a real painful time of how great it was for it then to, to, to fall apart like that. and then again into January and February I, I went and met the head of the centre stage Fiona McKenzie 
and I was sharing these things with her. And this is a experienced in this ba these battles, you know. <laughs> she was saying, aye, that, uh, when you're doing good work, you better expect this stuff. You better expect this kind of assault, this kind of misunderstanding, this kind of, these storms that, that are coming. He go she goes, that's just a given. Now, I'm sitting talking with her through my own heart and disappointment and we're t talking about the, the year three of uh, the Art of Cross and I was saying, what about this, doing songs of deliverance? Yeah. You know, from, from the conversation I had with her, there was a song for this guy, uh, Zach Williams, you know, the, the message here is about, I am rejoicing, I am not going to be defeated and defined and shut down by the difficulties I experience and face. We're going to have these songs of deliverance through it. And uh, that then grew into this, the year three focus, as I met with yourself and Neil. And, uh, you know, we really get that sense. Deliverance is here for you. But thankfulness and joy is what opened the gates. That It's not to quiet resignation that I give my blessings. Meaning that some that you're just accepting is undesirable that can be avoided. You know, this sense of, I'm just, oh, this is just the way it is, and nothing can be changed. But there has to be this joyful acceptance and anticipation. So that was our year three focus. We were, we were looking at Isaiah 55, and it talked about how you shall go out with joy. You'll be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You know, meaning that we've got to, we've got to respond to God. Hearing all these great stories isn't enough. There's actually an attitude of faith, of ex expectancy, of anticipation, joyfully accepting what God says, and I am thanking him and praising him for what he's done. Yeah. You know, one of, the, one of the, the amazing features about this whole story of At The Cross has been one that was built on prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, each year that we met, each year that we had these events, it, it was following God's guidelines, the vision that God had placed it in our hearts, what he wanted to do, because it's his story, mm -hmm. not so much our story, mm -hmm. it's his story that we are playing a part in. And uh, I remember in 2019, one of the strong impressions I got was such a sense of God's presence in the place, and there was such a, a sense of expectancy among the people that were gathered that night, and it was a wonderful night. But I remember I, I remember sensing that it was almost like Jesus was walking up and down, just touching hearts, just doing what he does. He's the only person we can't change hearts, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can uh, change hearts, and that's what I personally witnessed mm -hmm. that night. Yeah. Thank you so much, Derek, uh, for that time of uh, good memories mm -hmm. and uh, some memories that were difficult, but with God's help, uh, we came through them. Mm -hmm. But we're turning now to Stuart Forsyth, who's going to sing the song that really epitomises these events. It's called At The Cross. life and 
Thanks, Stuart. Great song. This year's focus is Now We Are Free. And I've got a great friend of mine here to share his story on uh, how the work of Christ has made him free. And there is nobody else I could have thought about that has had more of a dramatic change than, than my friend Charles Savage Kingsman. So, Charles... Charles Savage, he was a bit of a boy, was he not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terry, uh, it's a pleasure to get to share my story, yeah. especially Easter. Yeah. You know when uh, we come up to Jesus been dying and been raised to the dead. But to talk about my story, I was involved in a lot of stuff. You know, drug addiction from an early age. Mm-hmm. I was dyslexic at the school. Yep. So I didn't fit in in the, the normal school setting. So I went to the streets to kind of get my acceptance. And I went deeper and darker into a lot of stuff. And uh, I was involved in a, a gang who was involved in drug dealing. I took drugs myself. The old saying, you don't get high in your old supply. But I did. And a lot of us did. And I took different drugs to what my, my gang took, and uh, that was, wasn't was light, so I had to hide that. Uh, I was involved in violence with other gangs and, you know, oh, lots and lots of crime and in and out of prison a few times, uh, failed relationships, lots of stuff there that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very happy now that I'm through that period of my life mm-hmm. that I'm now yeah, and I mean, it's great that we've got a chance here to reflect upon our journey because I had a part in that journey, and I'm just going to take you back, Charles, because I was I remember when I had this change in my life. I was in your mum and dad's house with Stephen Cohen. I 
and I had a really good connection with your mum at the time, and I was in sharing with your mum, and uh, you know I was sharing things with your mum, and what happened that day, I remember, I've, I've heard you say it many times, but we've never actually had a chance to sit down and go, you know, reflecting, what was that like for you that day? Well, I remember knowing you about Colwyn and Derek, mm. and I knew your brother Peter, mm-hmm. uh, and I had had implants in, round about that stage, when I was in Colwyn, and uh, when I had the implants in, I was trying to stay off heroin, mm-hmm. and I like to say, my battle against addiction was absolutely huge, mm-hmm. I was fighting till I was 21, till I was 32, till I get clean, mm-hmm. and I, I was in, I tried all the psychiatrists, I tried most of them in Ayrshire. I couldn't help any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I tried most of them in Ayrshire. The man with the golden pen. Yeah. I was on scripts. I went to Narcotics Anonymous, which I praise God for. I went to a rehab when I was 21. And I also had implants and naproxen implants. And what that does is it blocks you mm-hmm. for taking heroin. Mm-hmm. So at that stage, when I was cutting about co-winning, I was really trying to get well down. Mm-hmm. And the meetings had worked in a way, but I'd never totally surrendered. Mm-hmm. My wee mum, God bless her, would have run for John O'Groats to Land's End to help me. Mm-hmm. And she did. She took me to meetings. And, you know, I thank God for that. But I never totally get free till later on in life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, well, just when I met you, mm-hmm. it was around about that time. But the implants was a part solution because it stopped me from taking one drug. Mm-hmm. It never changed my heart. Mm-hmm. It never changed my attitude. Mm-hmm. It never changed the fear. And it never changed the reputation that I had. Mm-hmm. It never changed who Charles Savage was. Mm-hmm. It took a part of the solution as you cannot use heroin. So that was a dark time for me. On that, I thought it was freedom, but it wasn't. At, at that time, I was uh, on methadone. And I'd been snorting cocaine and uh, I'd came to my mum's and I was up the stair and I'd came down the stair and you were reading the Bible and I quite liked you but I knew I was like, that wee guy can talk, you're like me, you can, you can yap, know what I mean? And you come in and you were sharing because you'd found this freedom and I said, do you know what, I wouldn't mind what he had, he's happy, do you know? And that morning I had to go down for my methadone to the chemist and you were in the kitchen with my Bible and you said, it says in there, the truth will set you free. <laughs> right, and I'm thinking the truth. My truth is I need my method on. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, see, no, that long after that, when I was at my meetings, that word that you spoke was in my heart because I started to get honest yeah. about where I was at. And I, I came to the end of my cell and I'd nearly died taking cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I was in 12-step meetings saying, the truth will set you free. <laughs> <laughs> I was meaning of it. Seven DFs and seven Valley yum yums at the time. <laughs> and it's amazing that I started speaking that up and I started getting honest. And then when I met you again, I actually met the person who is the truth, mm-hmm. the way, the truth, and the life, mm-hmm. the person that we're celebrating this weekend and mm-hmm. we celebrate every day, mm-hmm. the person that unlocked the door of my heart mm-hmm. to bring total freedom. Mm-hmm. That man is Jesus. Yeah, man. So... After that situation, I remember meeting you up, Cohen and Toon. You were obviously involved with the spiritual uh, principles of the, the 12 steps, yep. and you were seeking a higher power. I remember your conversation with me. So I then said, how do you know come to church with me? So I was at the, yep. the Cornerstone Church in Cohen, and uh, there was this special speaker coming from America, a guy called Walter Hallam from Lamarck, Texas. He was coming, and I remember phoning you, saying... Charles, maybe this guy will have a word just for you. Right? Mm-hmm. No one know the clue yeah. what I was saying, but I said yeah. it. And then we get in the meeting. What happened that night? Right. Well, at the time, for me, when I was God in the 12 steps, uh, for me, it wasn't Buddha or anything. It was, it was God. And I'd, I'd remembered, I was a wee boy, Jesus was God through the Bible, through the BBs. Yeah. But... I'd confessed all my sins in the 12 steps, so I'd had a real experience, but I hadn't been reading the Bible, and I'd just opened myself right up. But when I met you, you said, there is one God, God's God, why don't you come down? And the 12 steps are brilliant for saying, help anybody, not just addicts. 
the principals are great. They said, help MB, and I said to you, well, they need the chairs put out. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying, I come down and help. Yeah. So I went down that night, and oh, wow, man. There was a, my pal, Alec Muir, was there. And I knew he was a colourful character for the past. I liked him, I respected him. He'd been a, a drug dealer, he'd been a punk. And I saw him, and I looked at his eyes, and I saw the change in you. And I thought, wow, man, he's either high or he's high on God. You can see the change in him. And he said that you're here for the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. he said to me. And I thought, because the meetings talk about a higher power, I'm thinking he's changing the name tonight. He's no why like, to talk about Jesus, but it was the Holy Ghost. But I thought, aye, um, because I was there to, to actually know mayor. I'd already asked God, as I believe, opened up to ask God in. But that night, God did something far greater in store for me. Mm. You wouldn't believe what happened that night. Yeah. I went into that church and Alec was lifting his hands and I'm going, they're mad because he was starting to talk to Jesus and he's going, thank you, Jesus, and all that, and I'm watching you. But I love to dance. I was a break dancer back in the day when I was cutting about and spinning my head and right involved in a lot of stuff. So I love to dance. And in that church, they were quite happy, 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 and they were, they were dancing, they were kind of, it was upbeat, it wasn't a gloom and doom, you yeah. know what I mean, it was a different atmosphere, yeah. no, and I went in, but when the guy started to speak, that was the difference, that was where the rubber met the road, mm. when he spoke, because I did psychosis, Derek, I'd, I'd had hallucinations, where I'd saw the devil, I thought he'd put a hit on me, I'd even told my psychiatrist that, I'd seen a lot of demonic, or a lot of psychosis stuff, and this guy started speaking, and he was American, and he was saying, there's one person in here, he spoke on the prodigal son mm-hmm. being in the pig pen, mm-hmm. and that the father loved him. Mm-hmm. And I had been doing things in my life, violence on others. I'd been doing, you know, my wee boy I loved, and I just wanted to be that bearer to that wee son of mine. And I couldn't because addiction had stole from me. Mm. The 12 steps was restoring me, but I needed real power. Mm. And that night I heard about a man who had the real power, Jesus. Mm. Mm. And he kept stopping there. And he stopped because you were there. And he's saying, there's one person, you know who you are. God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Mm. And he is saying to me that you are here. It's finished. The devil has stole from you. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how does he know that? How does he know what's been happening in my life? Mm-hmm. He is putting an assignment on you. He said to me, and he said, I thought he was speaking to me. Because yeah. I felt as though I was the only person there. And there was maybe 200 people. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's going to, God, you know who you are. You're going to come out tonight for prayer. You're going to receive Jesus as Lord. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to, in fact, God is going to, this one person, God is going to restore to you the years that the locust had eaten. Mm-hmm. And I knew locust. I didn't know a lot of scripture. In fact, I hardly know any scripture. But I knew locust killed everything. In my life, everything had been nearly wrecked and destroyed. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you come out, the prodigal, when he come back to the father, he get the treatment of love. He never got what you body bad things you've done, even though he'd wasted his life, and that's what I'd done. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to go at this this part of the journey was surrender. Yeah. This part was asking Jesus in, and that's yeah. what I'd done. I went out for prayer. Yeah, and it was, there was no doubt. I mean, I'm sitting next to you, I, you know, and maybe some would think, oh, it sounds as if it's just mental manipulation, but, you know, I'm sitting next to Charles, and I'm thinking, what is he going to be thinking? Because I have said to him, this guy could have a word just for you. Yeah, he did. He did, definitely. There was really such a sensitivity in the the guy Walter Harm speaking, because he was really, he he says, look, I've really got this sense. It was such a set-up for you that night. It was actually stopping his message and kept speaking. Mm -hmm. And he kept, it was as though God was drawing him. I know that now because I've heard the Hotmail sermons, mm-hmm. but he was stopping writing his message mm-hmm. and saying, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no way. How yeah. would he know that? Know. And it spoke right to my heart about yeah. my situation, exactly where I was at at that time, uh, and told me about a loving God who was welcoming me with open arms, who was going to shower me with kisses mm-hmm. and was going to take me right into his house and into his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And when when they, they, they call it an altar call, it's an invitation to come out. 
after that message, I was even going to sit down because of fears and that. And I seen you saying, come on. And you, you shouted me up. But that wasn't manipulation either. Mm. I wanted to go. Mm. And I just needed that bit of encouragement. And when I went out, they all in the church started to pray mm-hmm. for us. And I opened my life up, my heart up, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart, mm-hmm. forgive me, mm-hmm. fill me with your spirit, and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was, honestly, I thank God for the 12 steps, but the experience and the love that poured into my heart that night and the power, mm-hmm. the power to turn back to the gang I was involved in mm-hmm. and tell them I'm finished, mm-hmm. the power to walk away from everything that was wrong in my life, mm-hmm. the power to... to feel loved mm-hmm. and totally, totally forgiven. Mm-hmm. I'd done a lot of bad things and I'd shared them. But that night I knew the price had been paid. Mm-hmm. That night I knew that something had changed. I remember lifting my hands up and I started shaking. Mm-hmm. And, and after we walked outside, I was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. I'd paid £500 a night in crack and never felt like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no high like the most high, they say. <laughs> and I came out and I said to Big Alec Muir, that was some buzz, big man. And he went, I said, I was rattling like a cat in a tin roof because I was shaking. He went, that was the Holy Ghost. Mm. I went, if that's what it was, I want Mary because mm. it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that's what I've done. I've sought, I've sought and he's taught me how to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a huge thing in my, my life, Del, mm-hmm. teaching me how to read so I can read his word and, mm-hmm. and deal with stuff in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to just get back because another massively important part to, to know my suit is about the impact it had on you and yeah. others with, with the amends and the restitution that you were, t- the steps that you very deliberately uh, took. What about that story with, with the women in Irvine? Yeah, well, a scriptural reference for amends is Zacchaeus. Okay, he gave two thirds back. I'm glad that, that I didn't have to do that because I'd have been still working on it just now. But amends is a process. And in the 12 step, they tell you to write down the people you've harmed and then make amends, except for when to do so, mm-hmm. would injure them and others. But I had the Holy Spirit after that, and I prayed, and I still worked around about with people that the program and that, but the Holy Spirit led me in many amends. There's shops, chemists down in England that I broke into, that I went back and made amends to. Uh, I'd used my name Savage and the name Kingsman. Mm-hmm. I made amends for that. Uh, and, and I had to choose what national insurance number, a two national insurance number, and I had to choose what one. One of the amends I made, I don't want to get the lady, uh, bring her up, but I'll say uh, there was a lady in Irving and we stole something from somewhere. Uh, and I went back to the house and I felt the Lord saying, go and speak to her and tell her, you know, you're sorry. And if there's anything you can do, that's the way you usually do an amends. Uh, and I prayed about it and I'd moved back to Irvine at the time and I went to the door and I said, I'm really sorry, but this thing went missing and I was involved in it and I'm, I've changed my life and uh, I just want to really apologise and if there's anything I can do, you know, I, I don't like to go to prison, but this is what I'm putting my hands up to what, what happened. And uh, she said that the thing, that it was a bad thing when that had happened, but she said, okay, just go on with your life, son. Love your, love your kids and keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then she said, I was blown away because usually amends is just about you and the person. Mm-hmm. You're not there to preach to them or anything. But this woman said to me, is he real? And I said, is who real? And she said, is God real? And I said, he is. If he, if he wasn't real, I wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very sorry for what I've done, but he is real. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've got a friend who's a born-again Christian. And she's telling me about Jesus. And I said, well, that's amazing. I can assure you he's real and he loves you. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, really sorry for what I've done. Mm-hmm. And she forgave me. Mm-hmm. And I went away and my, my heart was just lifted, Derek. You know, mm-hmm. I've not done every single thing I've done, but I'm willing to make amends for anything I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots and lots that, you know, uh, my family as well, my family's been restored. My brother-in-law who was involved in stuff with me, uh, he's new. No, I gave away a Rolex watch. It wasn't like the best Rolex, but it was worth a couple of bob. And I gave him, you know, a watch. And I said, God's got me out of that lifestyle. It can get you out of that lifestyle. And now he's years and years sober. He works in a rehab in Glasgow. And he works uh, in recovery circles, you know. My uncle, my uncle's uh, seven years sober. 
He's a light in the community. He prays with people. He's a 12-step man, but he loves it. And he's, he's uh, sharing uh, a, a message of hope mm-hmm. to people every single week, mm-hmm. you know. And many others in my family, I don't like to make it too personal, mm-hmm. you know, but there's others in my family. One of my other close uh, family members two weeks ago just gave their heart to the Lord. And uh, he's on that recovery journey mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So the impact of my life has uh, spread to many, many others, you know, and mm-hmm. even the work I broke can change what, what I do, what I do with them. Yeah. You know, I love that passionately. My wee sister, one of my wee sisters died, you know, when I was in addiction and I just broke my heart that I couldn't be the big brother that yeah. I wanted to be, Derek, yeah. you know. But yeah. God has gave me lots of other spiritual wee sisters, mm-hmm. you know, that, that have came through for God and I love my other wee sister, Candice, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Proud of you, bro. Your, your life example has uh, really touched and inspired and changed. You know, the real, it's been the real deal, Charles. And I, I've been thinking about it because MD who was way Jesus on earth, the ones that really followed him went on to change the world. That they yeah. changed, they yeah. turned the world upside down. So people listening, you know, there's that deep desire in everybody's heart to be of use, to mm-hmm. benefit mankind. To have your yeah. life mean and matter something. To who you are, how you've lived it to matter to somebody else. And that is part of this. That, you know, when you, you come to God, he promises. You know, it's not like a bed of roses, but there's there's significance in a life that's lived for others and lived for him and lived for others. Another question, Charles, would be, where would you say the main change was for you? I'll share a wee bit about the change in my life. You know, the change in my life was very much in my character. I had to stop all crime. I got a job. You know, my attitudes changed. My desires changed. Mm-hmm. I had a passion for life. Mm-hmm. And I turned away from anything that was, was wrong in my life. I stopped smoking 30 days into, into my journey. And, uh, you know, you encouraged me. I started to fast. Mm-hmm. The church I was involved in fasted. I fasted for three days. I had a wee we slip up with the food, uh, not a big one, but it was the first time doing it. Mm-hmm. But then three days into it, the Lord says, fast bags, mm-hmm. and I started fasting fags, mm-hmm. and I was actually set free from smoking mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. God cleaned, cleaned up my lineage, I was no longer cursing folk and telling them I was going to, you know, set about them because I was a new person. Mm-hmm. So the change was very much in my character mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and uh you know, as I said, when I was telling you about making amendses, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I had used the name when I was on the run one time for the police. I went away for two years and lived in Stevenage. I've got family down there and a lot of great friends. And when I was down there, I used the name Savage, which was my, my mum's maiden name, and the name Kingsman, which was on my birth certificate, Charles Kingsman. And I used the two identities to elude the police mm-hmm. so they wouldn't catch me. Mm-hmm. So I always had two identities. I could go out the country with one name and uh, get charges under Savage. Mm-hmm. So when I made this amends, I'd been praying and I'd been finding my identity in God. Mm-hmm. You know, and God was my new identity. The person that would run about with knives, the person that would have uh, kicked somebody's door in, the person that needed drugs every day was gone. Mm-hmm. And I was a new creation mm-hmm. and I was looking to look after my family, I was looking to get a job, I was looking to live for God mm-hmm. and when that happened I, I ripped to them and I said, you know, this is what happened and I'm sorry, so they said we're not going to press charges, thank God for that, hallelujah mm-hmm. <laughs> but you need to choose a national insurance number and a name so, I, you know I chose the name Kingsman mm-hmm. now, there's many folk in my family called Savage and they're brilliant and I love them, my aunties, my mum and everything. It wasn't the name Savage that was wrong. It was my character that was wrong. Yeah. And I felt that God had gave me that name, Charles Savage Kingsman, mm-hmm. is what I'll be called. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Charles Savage Kingsman is because now I belong to the king. But I, I'm really sorry if I offended them through it because that wasn't what I meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I love my family. But I just felt it was something right for me to do yeah. because that was my new nature. Aye. And, I, and I just think that the significance of raising that, but it was God's way of saying, I want to change everything that you've been identified with. Know, your, know the family, know the family name and the honour in the name. It was the, the things that were associated to you as a person over the years, the way you'd lived. You know, that was part of the restoration. Everything can that I, was... Can I, 
No, I just wanted to say there's things coming to me as I'm speaking. I was getting primed for taking over a business that was worth a lot of money in the criminal world. And I had to go and knock that back. I had to go and say, no, I don't want that, you know. And I, that, that took a lot of courage. And the Holy Spirit had to empower me to go and close the doors. And I had knives and I had access to all sorts of things, swords. And I got rid of them all and I flung them away in a place I don't need to speak about. They're all, nobody will ever find them. And they're away and that part of my life was gone, mm-hmm. you know. And I get scriptures and I started to meditate on them. And I shut the doors and I opened up my heart to God's plan mm-hmm. for my life. Mm-hmm. Can I just say as well, my, my, I'm, I'm free again, but I stayed in Kowinning for years. And a lot of folk, we've seen folk from Kowinning come to God, but in Irvine, you know, we were called the Irvine Toy, which was thugs of Irvine, you know, and there was lots of us, and we all grew up, and we were involved in a lot of stuff, as young boys do. Some of us went into deeper and darker things. But recently, we have seen, yourself included, Del, but around, around 12 people come out of Irvine, who's now born again, that's walking with the Lord. Plus, you've got all the other boys at the meetings. Mm-hmm. But you've got, even in my in my uh, realm, the past two years, we've seen four boys come right out of addiction mm-hmm. and into a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. off of the one scheme mm-hmm. in Irvine. Amazing. So the impact that God's having mm-hmm. is absolutely... And see, see that like, there's a boy, Sean, and a boy, James Wallace, and Inky. They're boys I grew up with, Derek. Mm-hmm. And for God to touch them, their parents are absolutely buzzing because mm-hmm. they've got their sons mm-hmm. and their daughters back because there's other girls coming mm-hmm. too. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what keeps me alive today, my wee family. Mm-hmm. I love my family, my dear wife, my kids, mm-hmm. but also... Then God's work, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it. thrills my heart. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, this, that's the story, how your life's been made free, how how the, this work of Christ, this Easter message, the power within it, that Disney just deal with the outskirts of life, somebody's life, it changes their hearts, it restores their heart and brings that change of heart that's, that, that produces these kind of miracles. The miracle of actually saying sorry to somebody. The miracle of actually going and get an honest job. The miracle of then laying your life down for others and and living for that, uh, for for seeing others getting rescued and pulled out out of the pits that that we've lived in ourselves. Just to finish, something happened to you yesterday. Your email got hacked. Yeah. And in the midst of all this disturbance and disruption, then you phone Microsoft to try and to rectify it, but this was another false uh, organisation masquerading as Microsoft. They were all set up to deceive and to steal. I was like, what the heck? And just a day before we are recording, all that happened. Mm-hmm. An assault yeah. like that. But how you responded is really mm-hmm. how you're encouraging others to respond. Maybe in the past, that's how you felt your life was like. Ducking and diving, hacking and doing the wrong things. Mm-hmm. But how you fought against and responded to that yesterday was, I need to get the truth. I need to, to deal honestly. I need to deal with the, the true companies so that I can get restored to sanity, restored to order, restored to peace. What would, kind of advice would you want to say to others? Well, uh, as I said, uh, yesterday was a tough day and it started for 2 o'clock. It started to 10 the night before as I was preparing mm-hmm. for this wee message. Uh, I got hacked and they've been sending out a lot of invitations for my friends to give them money, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, coming from where I've came from, and then getting that has been, it's been testing. Mm-hmm. But last night, you know, I put my, my computer, my broken change computer in to get it, you know, uh, you know, restored to factory settings mm-hmm. and keep the good stuff, yeah. keep the good stuff, mm-hmm. but get rid of all the garbage, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think, that's so relevant that God does with us. Mm-hmm. He kept the good bits of Charles. Mm-hmm. I became a brand new creation. Mm-hmm. You know, I still am the same person, but I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. All the all the sins, all the stuff that, that, that I struggled with, all the all the unforgiveness I had in my heart, all the things I'd done mm-hmm. to others, he forgave me and he made me brand new. He restored me to factory settings, you know, as in, you know, he gave me, he paid the price for the wrong things that I'd done. And when he came in, that was enough for me to live yeah. this life, you know. So I would say to anybody who's out there, you know, coronavirus is out there and it's not, there's never been anything like this, you know. But 
There's also something that separates us from God, and the Bible calls it sin. You know, it just means we've missed the mark. It means that we've fallen short of the glory of God. And I believe that God loves every single person, and He does not want one to perish and to be separated. Mm-hmm. We've known what it is to be locked up for a couple of weeks. Imagine being locked up away from God for and everybody forever and ever. Mm-hmm. You know, no, God doesn't want one to go there. Mm-hmm. So that's how Jesus paid the price. Mm-hmm. He paid the price for us. And I would encourage them to hear in this, to open up their heart in this time of solitude. Go and, go and read your Bible. Get alone with God. Ask him to come into your heart. Mm-hmm. Or even if you've not got that amount of faith, ask him, are you real? Because I can tell he's real. Mm-hmm. But it's better felt than tell, mm-hmm. you know. And let him into your life and turn away from anything that you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And he will come into your life. And he will. It's the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And when I've seen others get it, mm. it throws me. It absolutely throws me. And their lives are always better with God in their life. Mm. I'm not saying they'll not go through trials, mm. but the best thing you'll ever do is make that decision to ask them in to your heart. Mm. It's the heart that he wants. They guys wanted my computer. They probably wanted my money. And the devil wants your life. Mm. But God wants to restore. There's one scripture I'll leave you. It says the devil comes to steal kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. That that wee script, that wee uh, thing that the guy had said, he said to me that night, he'll restore to you. God will restore the years that the locusts had eaten. I woke up this morning, even though I had a trial yesterday, I had a wee new puppy, I had my wee kids in the house, my beautiful wife, and I had God in my heart ready to do this today. God is not a disappointment and he will never, ever let you down. So, friends, thanks for joining us at our 2020 At The Cross event, this recording. I know it's a bit different than usual. So I say thank you to Vince Gatland, to Lorraine Hanlon, to Stuart Forsyth, to Charles Kingsman. And we just pray Easter blessings upon you uh, and enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend. And we'll leave you with Stuart singing At The Cross Jesus came and loved me Took my sin to Calvary He has made a way for me Now my eyes are open Since I've come to set me free at the cross my debt was paid all my sins were washed away just for me amazing grace at the cross Just for me, he gave his life at the cross. Jesus came and loved me, took my sin to Calvary. He has made a way for me. And now my eyes are open since I've come to know. Set me free At the cross My debt was paid All my sins Were washed away Just for me Amazing grace At the cross Oh
Calvary. Oh, praises to the King for His grace and mercy. Just for me, he gave his life. 